Hey family, and welcome to OCC. Thank you so much for being here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, right after which I'm going to jump into the word for today. But thank you, seriously, thank you. It's a choice that you made to come and hang out with us today, and we're honored that you decided to do so. Will you pray with me? Is that all right? Come on, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for today. What a joy and what an honor it is for us to gather uh, digitally like this. God, I just pray that you will prepare every heart situated wherever we are across this great country. And will you prepare each heart so that we can uh, receive the word and then apply the word. Thank you for the word you're going to deposit in our spirit today. I pray that none of us will leave the same way we came in, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Thanks so much. We're in a series. This is part two of three of a sermon series we're calling Pivot. The reason this is significant is because the responsibility of any decent or decent leader, good leader, is to define reality. What does reality really, really look like for us right now? And my responsibility over these three weeks is to simply remind us of where we are and then where we're headed to. And I could not be more excited about the season that we're in. And so I'm really happy for it. So uh, you remember the you remember the good old Blackberry? You remember the Blackberry, y'all? I used to love the Blackberry. Some of you are too young. You have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's okay. Blackberry had a keyboard at it, and you'd just be typing. And I loved it because it was individual letters, and you could just go and go and go. I'm a Blackberry fan, okay? And I was one of the last people to give up my very treasured Blackberry because I loved Loved it so much. It had the individual keyboard and I could do whatever I wanted to do. But I finally gave it up. I was not part of the early adopters. I was not part of the wait and see. I was one of the last ones to give it up. And then I went to Android. You know, uh, and don't, don't start the fights about Apple and Android. I know, don't start it. But anyways, and, and then I went to Android and Jada and I got Android and we started using it and we loved it. And then I noticed <clears throat> after about four, five, six years, that the entire staff didn't have Android. They all had Apple. And so if I wanted to FaceTime, if I wanted to hang out, I couldn't because, you know, they wanted to drop me a link or so. I couldn't get it because I was on Android, not an app. So I was one of the, I was one of the last ones again. Maybe not last, but in the middle, wait and see before I, before I made it over to Apple. So I went from, from, from Blackberry to, to Android and now I'm a, I'm an Apple fan. In the same way, my, my brothers and sisters, one of the things that we're struggling with as we make this shift is that we have to now wrestle with, there's some of you that are ready to make the shift. There's some of you that are not ready to make the shift. And some of you are not going to make the shift with us for a minute. So I want to remind you as to why this is so significant that we make this shift. Last week, this is all a setup from and a review from last week. Last week, we talked about the whole table, right? And we suggested that the, the, the church back in the day was, was, was like a table where you had the pastor on one side, then you had a new believer, and then a third of the church was made up of, uh, uh, uh non-Christians, a third new believers, and then a third, uh, growing believers. And we talked about that. The hero was the pastor. And we talked about the dining table and we talked about how it looked and we said we had to make this this, say it with me, shift, make the shift, hashtag make the shift, because if we don't, we will become irrelevant, if we don't, we will lose effectiveness in evangelism, and if we don't, we will become what many are calling a consumer-driven 
church. And we don't want to be consumers. We want to be contributors. And we want to contribute to the kingdom of God and what he wants to do here on planet Earth. So what we suggested was a new model. A model that many of us have started already. But I want the church to know it as a whole. And I want to remind you of what we're celebrating as a church. Because this is what the Bible celebrates and this is what Christ celebrates. And what we suggested then was that it's, it's, we're moving from what I'm calling the church of Jesus Christ, uh, the physical building is what most people used to call it, but the church is not a building, it's the people. And that's where the lighthouse was, lighthouse was. So it looks like something like this. If you look right here, you'll see one community church in the middle. And then what you'll see is, uh, where we are in North Texas. You'll see Plano and Frisco and all of them situated all around this lighthouse. And it was the, the, the word of God was coming for us from the house and people will come to the church and you would bring your friends and you would bring your neighbors to the lighthouse and we would then try to deliver the word of God in such a way that people would get it, hear it, get saved and go back and try to make a difference. And that's the model we used to use. That's the model a lot of churches are using now. But then we're suggesting that there ought to be a shift. And the shift ought to be where now the church, the building that is, is not really the lighthouse the people are. So then we start scattering around. And so now you go first to Jerusalem, all around Plano and Frisco and McKinney, which is where we are, for those of you outside of Texas. And we're supposed to go and scatter all the way around. And then ultimately, after we send all these lighthouses, they come to church, they get inspired, they get motivated, they get fed, and then they go home and make their individual homes the lighthouse. And then ultimately, we're supposed to move from there to make the entire nation and really the world, wherever people are, wherever they are, they should be, their home should be a lighthouse that everybody comes to to hear the gospel. So what we said was, you should have one person that's the discipler here in your house, and then you should have, that would be you, then you'd have a non-Christian over here, then you would have the new believer, and then the disciple E, right? And so what we looked for, what we're trying to create is an environment where you become the discipler, the person who's a Christian, who have been saved, who have been poured into, who have been discipled. That person sees themselves as the lighthouse, and their job is not to find their non-Christian friends on the ballparks where your kids play and so on and so forth. You, you start conversation. Then you're supposed to go and find your Christian friends that you have and then you're supposed to find somebody that you're now discipling. Whether that be in your small group, whether that be in your minister group. But this is vitally important. You say, Pastor, I still don't get it. I don't know why you want to change everything. <clears throat> Here's why. Please listen to me, fam. Please listen. This is so critical. Not just for or church, but for churches all across the world in this season. What the pandemic, what COVID has done, it has, it has sped up the impact that Jesus Christ really wants us to have so that we can unleash the body of Jesus Christ on the world. So if you go to your sermon notes, if you don't have them, all you've got to do is go to our app, download it, or they'll put it right under the screen right now, and you can get the, the, um, the sermon notes, or you can go to our website and download it. Let me remind you, of what's happened to our culture. Because if you get this, you'll understand the why. We must make the shift. What I'm trying to do is define reality so you get it. Okay. Number one, number one, if you look in your notes, you'll see that um, there is a cultural disappearance of guilt. 
You remember when you used to go to church back in the day? If you didn't go to church, you'll feel guilty. Well, this culture, mm-mm, no longer, nobody feels guilty anymore if they miss church. And the pandemic has, has, has sped that up. Now you don't even have to go to church. Now you don't have to go to church whenever you can determine what you do when you do right now, which simply means there is no more presence of guilt when you don't go to church. Number two, there's a decline in trust of not only institutions, but also authority. So there are two of them. There's a decline in trust in institutions. Nobody cares about the institution anymore. Everybody care about themselves and they want to be the biggest and the best. Which no problem with that, but you just need to see since there's a decline in the value of institutions and since there's a decline in the values of anybody in authority, then the impact can no longer come from the building. It must come from your relationship with your friends because it's no longer attractional. It's now relational. And you and I have to be the ministers and the missionaries in our communities. It is a massive shift, but we have to make it. In light of that, there's a decline in the trust of authority and there's a decline in the authority of the Bible. Nobody believes the Bible. You know what they want? They want their own truth. That's all they care about. Hey, here's my truth. My truth is what's new to me and what I believe is true. I do not care about the Bible being true. That's why people don't get married quickly anymore. They cohabitate, they hang out, they live together, but they wait as long as they can because they don't care what the Bible says. So if you're going to influence that person, fam, then you have to realize that you have to model it for them and then you have the credibility to have a conversation with people who are far from God. No longer are they coming to the the archaic building to then let some expert, quote unquote, tell them what they need to do. They need to see it lived out in your life and then you become the missionary that then shares the good news of the gospel. And lastly, there is this desire for personalized spirituality. I don't want anybody to tell me what I need to do. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to run hard after God my own way and I don't care what you say. All of those are norms in our culture now. And if we do nothing but sit back and, and, and occupy until Jesus comes, then you will become and we will become that church that is filled with 70-year-olds, nothing wrong with their seasoned saints, but 70-year-olds and nobody else wants to come because the generation has shifted and the way they think and the way they believe has shifted. So the way we impact them now is not through you come to church with me. The way we impact them now is by me having a relationship with you. And as that relationship develops, you get to know me and you get to want to know why you think and believe the way you do. This is not just for the church, though. I want you to realize that all organizations have to go through this. Let me give you the, the, the evolution of what's happened in organizations and what's happened in the church. Let's take a little ride down history lane. After the Industrial Revolution, here's what happened. Don't miss this. Um, it used to be called a pipeline. People used to want to produce one product. It was a pipeline. And you would do everything you can to get this one product out. Let's say it was a white car or a white Ford. You couldn't have any other colors. You couldn't have any other type. That's all you could have. And everybody would drive this one thing down the pipeline. And once they got there, then everybody was happy because we all produced this one thing. And then it, it, uh, it got disrupted. And now people had choices. They could have different colors. They could have different builds. They could have different models. And now all of a sudden, it shifted from a pipeline 
to a portfolio. Now, people had a, a, a plethora of choices that they could take in terms of a car or in terms of any product that they want to have. And the rise of Walmart changed the game. And Walmart went into every area. And they, you could get food in there. You could get a haircut in there. You could go banking in there. You could do everything you can in the one place. And then we moved from pipeline to portfolios. And then we moved to the platform. And now you have Amazon that shows up. And Amazon is disrupting everything because now they have a platform and this platform, you can come and you can make a contribution. How did 200,000 people all of a sudden become Uber drivers or Lyft drivers because they could contribute and then came the gig economy that showed up there? Why? Because there was a contribution that they could make. They shifted from consumer to contribution. How come 2 million people uh, all of a sudden had a room that they could give so that somebody could come and stay in their house. Where were these people? They were always there. The platform made it possible for them to make a contribution and not just become takers and consumers. Well, the same thing is about to happen in the church. And my responsibility is to set a clear direction. So we are prepared for it. What COVID did was it, 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 it sped it up so that now they took, they thought they could take the building away and the church would die. But let me read a passage of scripture for you that you better get down real good. It's called Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. Here's what the text says. you got to love the Bible, don't you? Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse number 4, in the message translation, it says this. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Forced to leave home base. That's where they were gathering. Then persecution came and now they all had to become missionaries and went to their own homes so that they could deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brothers and my sisters, can I tell you what we're doing? We're shifting. We're pivoting and shifting so that we, now, you, me, the person sitting beside you, the person doing the watch party with you, will now become missionaries and you will be no, there's no better person to be a missionary in your community, on your street, than you. They don't know me. They know you. They see how you take care of your property. They see how you take care of your grass. They see how you take care of your kids. They see how you live the life that God's called you to live. And they watch you and they notice something different about you. And who better to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? But you. That's why, as a church, we must, say with me, Make the shift. Two more times. We must. Hashtag make the shift. Last time. That's why we must make the shift. Little did I know that there'd be this young lady and there are tons of them all across this country who has made the shift, who has decided that they'd become a part of this church. They don't live anywhere in there. They've never been to a church before. But they are making the shifts right where they are. And they're making a difference for Jesus Christ right where they are. I want to share one story with you. Her name is Marissa. She hails from Georgia. And I want you to take a look at the shift and the excitement that she had when she came here for the first time. Take a look. One of the beautiful things I love about church is that you can do OCC anywhere, no matter where you are in the world. 
OCC is catering to you and trying to meet your needs. And we are so excited because Marissa is here today and she's from Georgia and she joined our church digitally and she flew in for her birthday weekend and it's the first time in our physical sanctuary. We're so excited. Marissa, please tell us a little bit about this experience for, for you. How has it been? Well, first of all, Hi One Community, I'm so excited to be a part of um, the family. Um, I've been watching since about May, thanks to Tiger for sending out the link to me. Um, and I have been praying for months, probably years, to find an actual home church that felt like community and the name fits right there in the name already. So um, I just prayed on it, decided to join, joined the digital membership, decided to come out here for my birthday, and there was an opportunity to serve. So it has been absolutely amazing. Everybody has been so welcoming, so warm, and it's literally everything that I prayed for and more. Um, and I'm just so excited to be a part of it. <laughs> I think she would tell you and we would tell you, if you're watching and you've been a part of our church from anywhere and you're wondering, can I plug in? Yes. You can plug in from wherever you're at and you can make a difference. And just the power of an invite can literally change someone's life and helping them get connected. So one family, thank you so much. And uh, we just want to encourage you. So wherever you are, whether you're out of the United States, whether you're in the United States, wherever you are, you can connect with us online and serve digitally with us or serve physically with us. No matter what, whether you're on one of our digital uh, platform campuses or whether you're on one of our physical campuses when you meet here everybody OCC is a place where no one in the world walks alone love you guys man incredible family wow that somebody in another part of the country because here we go of a relationship decided that they wanted to become a part of our body of believers joined their church and that was effectively serving God my brothers and sisters, I've heard hundreds of stories, literally, of people who come to our church whose family is now watching from wherever they are. And that's what we need to be. We need to be the light and the salt. We need to be the lighthouses that simply tell everybody anywhere they are about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but there's a problem that we have that oftentimes show up in churches that I want to address today as we move through and as we conclude our time together. See, one of the big challenges that we have to face is the reality that evangelism is the remedy for consumerism. Evangelism is the remedy for consumerism. If you're not careful, all church will be for you is a place where you come and you consume. And you get 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 and you consume and you consume and you consume. And you don't care about the person who is far from God. And so what we must be, what my, one of my responsibilities is to make sure we stay inspired around the vision and the mission of our church. If I'm going to do that, then evangelism has to be a big part of what we do as a church, which is why we have to make the shift from being consumers to being contributors, from being people who just come to church, but and now become people who come to church and then are now released as missionaries into their communities. But this is difficult to, to, to really capture, so I thought I'd bring an image today that might be able to help us capture this much, much better. Um, but before we go, I want to talk about James chapter 2. James, you know him, he's the brother of Jesus. If, if Mary and Joseph had an issue and they say, who did it? Uh, it was never Jesus, because Jesus was always the perfect one, right? And so if anybody can talk about what authenticity looks like, then Jesus' brother James should be able to do it. 
And so James is going to pick this up in James chapter 2, the latter part of the passage, verse 14 to 26. And James is going to say, if, if you say you have faith, James is going to say, then it must show up in how you live your life. He calls it works. You cannot say you have faith and you don't have works. Now, a lot of people get this uh, mixed up and they get a little concerned about, about then it's, it's uh, faith and works has to be tied together or else you're not safe. In Romans, when Paul's dealing with the issue, Paul's viewpoint is, how do you become a believer? Paul is saying, you have faith alone in Christ alone for the remission of your sins. That's how you get saved. That's not the question James is wrestling with. James is wrestling with the question of how do you bring heaven to earth? How does the believer access heaven so that heaven looks and show the world what heaven looks like on earth? So James is saying, you cannot divorce faith from works because if you're a Christian and you want heaven to invade earth, then it must show up as works because of your faith. In other words, James would say to you and me, the one hour on Sunday morning or the one and a half hours, depending on the kind of church you go to, whatever kind of church that is, he says it should show up when you go out in your community. You cannot say you come to church. You cannot say you hang out in church. And then when people look at your lives and how you live in your community, it's radically different. In light of that, James is saying the two must marry each other. James says it's not enough to just say amen when when you come to church, your amen should lead to action. And if it doesn't lead to action, James says, then what kind of faith do you have? He's not talking about salvific faith. He is talking about sanctification faith. It should show up in your works because of how much you love Jesus the Christ. In light of that, I want to use a, a, an image to help drive this point home today. Uh, I want to use the image of a huddle. Now, you know what a huddle is. You've seen many football games. Uh, the huddle is where people get together, all these football players, they get together, and as they're getting together, it does not matter what, co- what the color of their skin is in the huddle. It doesn't matter because all of them sweat, all of them bleed the same way. All of them do. There are so many issues that are resolved just because of the huddle. Because the huddle is a place where you come together to then strategize about what you're going to do in the next play. You know the game of football, some of you do, some of you don't. So in the game of football, you got four downs to get to 10 yards. If you if you convert, then you get 10 more yards, then you get four more downs to convert another 10 yards. But the problem with the church sometimes is that we get in the huddle and then it makes no sense the play when you get on the field. So I had some friends come out today so we can talk about this together and take your notes because I'm going to walk through this passage here real quickly. Take your notes and let's go through unhealthy huddle habits. Unhealthy. Come on out here, fellas. Unhealthy huddle habits. So I got some friends to drive this point home for you. Come on, put your hands together for my friends. Here you go, my friends. They're ready to go. They're ready to take the team. They can't wait. They're the huddling's getting ready. The game's about to start. They're huddling up. They're, they're hitting each other. They're getting all excited because they know that the purpose of the game is not the huddle. The huddle just makes a difference and it shows up on the field when you run the play. 
but you cannot have a huddle and then don't go run the play. So watch this now. Here we go. Here we go. The problem with church people, number one, number one, unhealthy, unhealthy huddle habits that we are, that we are developing during this season that we're currently in. Come here, let me teach you something today. We got some people, number one, that love to jump in the huddle and they want to come in the huddle and they're getting all ready for the huddle and the coach is giving the play for the huddle and, and, and we have some people that love to huddle hop. Huddle hop. Oh my God. No, no, right now? Let me tell you what some of you do. Here's what some of you do. Some of you jump in the huddle and say, all right, all right, all right, we're ready for it. We're ready for it. We're ready for it. And you go in the huddle and you're getting ready and you're dancing and you're moving and you're getting ready and you're fired up and you're getting all cool. And then you say, all right, all right, thank you. The huddle is over. And then you go to another huddle. You don't go on the field and make the play. You go to another huddle. And say, well, let me see if this huddle is cooler than the last huddle that I went to. So you go to another huddle and you say, yeah, yeah, that this huddle started at 10 o'clock. The next huddle started at 12 on Sunday. So you go to the next huddle and then you huddle in with that one. And then you huddle in with that one. And then you huddle in with that one. And then you go on demand to catch another huddle. And you say, yeah, let's go huddle, 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 huddle. huddle. Ooh, I like the swing and the swag of this huddle. And this huddle is good. And you go from Huddle to huddle to huddle, and you never run the play. And what we got today, because of this COVID, is people going from eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and they go to one huddle, then they switch another huddle and hop to the next, and then you hop to the next huddle, and before you know it, by the time Sunday evening is done, you've been to six or seven huddles. And you have not yet run one play. The purpose of the huddle is to run the play. But when you care more about you than you do the huddle and then the action after the huddle, no wonder James has to say, is your faith real? If all you do is go from huddle to huddle to huddle to huddle. Go on the back of your notes. Let me give you, let me give you a, a point related to that. You see? Because God is the one when you want to run the play. Number one in your notes refers to number one in run the play. So let me see if I can help you out. Unhealthy huddle practice says huddle hopping. That's number one. Flip the page over and you get God sets the game plan. God is the one that sets the game plan. You do, you do know how this goes, don't you? You see, you've got an offensive coordinator. His job is not to stay near the huddle. He doesn't want, because his perspective is different than those on the field. The, 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 the offensive coordinator sits up on high. And his job, or her job, is to make sure that as she he or she analyzes the team, analyzes the defenses, analyzes the game plan that they came with, they're going to call a play specifically for this group of people because they have a play that they need to run for the glory of God. But when you go from huddle to 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 huddle and to huddle, now you get confused because you're hearing all of these different game plans and now you don't even know what to do. And we got churches around that and people in churches that are going huddle hopping all week long and not running a doggone play. In the name of Jesus. You gotta know where you wanna be a member and you gotta be you got to be planted and you got to grow right where you are. Don't let me preach this thing today, family. But we need to stop the huddle hopping. 
and we need to go be planted and rooted somewhere. By the way, by the way, by the way, some of you don't do it for churches. Some of you are doing it for community groups. And you go from group to group to group, blaming everybody else in the last group about why you don't want to serve, or you go from ministry to ministry to ministry, blaming everybody else as to why you don't like that huddle in that ministry, and all the time not realizing that since you're not the coach, then you probably should be submitted to the coach, and then determine what the game plan is, and learn the art, say with me, of running the play. My, 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 that's only number one, I got a long way to go, so come on, let's go to number two. I got too much to give you today. Number two says, unhealthy habit that we create in the huddle. And this is important. Don't get, don't, don't miss the overall picture. What we're saying is we got to make the shift because the shift is when you go run the play. So in your house, you hear the sermon, you hear the worship experience, then you get it. And now you go run the play in your house for the other 167 hours that are in that particular week. You need to go run that play that your leadership team called. And now the whole church is going to go execute. But when you get confused, uh, wait, hold on. Did I hear run this play or should I run this play? Should I run this play? I, I went to so many huddles today. I don't know which play to run. So number two, number two, some of us, <laughs> some of us love the thrill of the huddle. We love the thrill of the huddle. Let me explain what I mean. You love the fact that you get to dress up to go to the huddle. You love the fact that you get to be seen in the huddle. You love the fact that when you get to the huddle, you get to worship a particular style in the huddle. You love the fact that when you get to the huddle, you like the te- this particular teacher in the huddle, and so you like this one, and so you go to this teacher and say, yeah, I love this one. Oh, it, fe- it just feels right in this one. And so you love that particular huddle. No, what you don't love is the heart of God for the huddle. You love the thrill of the huddle. But not the heart of God for the mission as to why he called that particular play so that non-Christians, people far from God, can get to know God. Your purpose after you come out of the huddle needs to be that you now go and execute the play which is the heart of God for the community that you live in. So here's what it looks like. You go to the huddle. And you're looking around and say, yeah, I love our jerseys. I love our helmets. Come on, fellas. Yeah, that's what you're saying. You love it. You love the helmets. You love the jersey. You love the pads. You love all of this. And you say, yeah. And then you love the rhythm of the huddle. Let's show them a little rhythm, fellas. You love the rhythm. Hey, hey. That's it. That's it. That's it. You love it. I like how they do it. Because, hold on. Because some, some huddles you go into, they're not moving. And you, you don't like this one. This too, this too contemplative. You gotta think and you gotta what? It don't seem fun in this one. I don't like this. I don't, there's no thrill in this huddle, so I don't want to be here anymore. And what you love, once you get the thrill down, you don't care about the heart of God. Because all you care about is the thrilling feeling you get when you go in the huddle. And ladies and gentlemen, the only way to cure this, turn the page over. Only way to cure it, watch the text now. Only way to cure it is to run the play that you have been given. I don't care about how you feel in the huddle. If every time you go to a huddle, you feel good and you feel excited, it might be the wrong huddle you win. Because you have to go sometimes and say, okay, coach, you're right. I can do better, coach. All right, coach. All right, I can do a little better than this. 
But when you go every time and all you get is thrills and thrills and excitement and that's all you get, then you ought to ask some questions. Because God has given you a play to run. So quit trying to play, trying to run somebody else's play and run the one he has given to you. Okay, okay, you're not feeling me. Um, have you ever been to the airport and you pick up a bag that looks like yours? And you think it's yours and you go home or you go to the hotel and then you find out that none of them clothes can fit you. Here's why. Because that's not the play that they were supposed to run. But when you lust after what somebody else is supposed to do and not do what the play was called for for you to do. So if you're called to block, all I want you to do is block. Why are you trying to be the quarterback if all I want you to do is block? If I call the play and you're supposed to run, why are you trying to get a pass? He calls the play and you ought to run the play that's customized for you. What we have today is people trying to run their own play. Number three, let's move on. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Number three. (laughs) Number three says, number three says, bad habits we cultivate during the season is no huddle. I don't want to go to no huddle. I don't need no huddle. I don't need any huddle at all because I can do my own thing. All I'm going to do is customize my own spirituality. God done bless me now. I don't need church. I know what the Bible says. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25. Do not forsake the gathering. But you have come to the conclusion that you don't need nothing from nobody else. Because you can come up with your own customized spirituality. To which God says, whoa, I just gave you a command. Do not forsake the gathering of the body. But you think you know more than them because you have claimed your own truth. So now what we have is people that sees a huddle, says, I don't like that one. I'm just going to do my own thing, me and God. Who says you need church anyway? And now you have people running around. Say, I don't need church no more. I don't need that. I can do me all by myself. Let me remind you of something. Turn the page over. Go to number three. <laughs> Remember, you are on the clock. Every time there's a play, you only got 24 seconds <laughs> to run that play. Listen, 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 fam, listen. You better run that play or else God's going to take you out of the game and put somebody else to run the play. So if you keep thinking, I don't need God, I don't need church, I don't need a huddle, then what you going to find out? Okay, you don't believe me again. Hey, Esther, come here, Esther. Esther says, well, I'm fine, I'm cute, but, 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 but it might take my life if I go before the king. And it took a wise man that says, you better go run that play. Because if you don't run that play, God's going to use somebody else because his game plan is going to go forth. So you need to determine whether or not, here's what Mordecai said, who knows that you were created for such a time as this. You see what I'm saying, family? Be careful now. Be careful, fam, because don't think you know too much that you don't need God and you don't need the huddle and you don't need the body. Be careful. Because you're on the clock. And you never know. That's why the Bible says, teach us the number of days. So we might glean a heart of wisdom. And a heart of wisdom means you ought to go join the, go join the huddle. And then go run the play. Number four, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise you, just one more. That's all you can handle today. Number four says, number four says, you, uh, what we want is a customized huddle. 
bad habit. Customize huddle. Well, this is all you say. You say, well, I don't, I don't like this huddle. And I don't like this huddle because they just not like me. I want to wear what I wear, even though they have on the, I don't want to wear none of that. I want to huddle where they all look like me, where they all dress like me, and where they all cool like me. And what you do is you come up with, in your brain, with what the perfect huddle looked like. The only problem is, once you join that huddle, it ain't perfect no more. But that's what you want. A customized huddle that's just for you. And God said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Your job, come on now, verse number, turn over the page and go to verse, and go to number four. Number four says, don't get benched. Be careful now. Don't get benched. Because if you have a bad attitude in the huddle, a good coach will say, you need to go sit on on the bench because you don't have the team's best interest at heart. You have your best interest at heart. And what we have today and what you're developing, the bad habits we're, cu- we're curating today is that we're saying, well, I, it's got to be just to my liking. If I don't like what they're teaching us, I'm going to go to another huddle. If I don't, if it's not just hitting me right just the way it's supposed to, then I'm going to go to another huddle. Be careful because you're cultivating bad habits that you didn't have before. That now you're going to pick up and be careful because you must just might get benched. You know what what Christ is trying to do in all of this? All he's trying to do is get you to the place that he originally designed you to be. He's trying to get the team to win the ball because to win the game. Because the enemy has a strategy. And sometimes the enemy don't even need to have a strategy because you're taking yourself out of the game. And so he says, hey man, listen, I want you to know I am running this thing, not you. So here's what some of us do. Come here, fellas. Here's what some of us do. God's trying to set you up with a ball, and he's trying to set you up so you can win the play. And here's what some of us do. Give him the ball. Some of us says, come behind me. Someone says, God, I'm going to run my own play, and I'm going to just run, and I'm going to get people out of my way, and I'm just going to get and, and score the top. And oftentimes, invariably, you end up on your back. Because you're trying to run your own play. God says, let's go all the way back. God says, that's not what I want you to do. God says, if you will, let me get the biggest one of them three. Let me get this one. God says, if you will, go in front now, keep walking. God says, he'll, he'll block for you. He'll take people out for you. And you just stay right behind me and I will get you to your destination. But what we have in churches is people saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need you to block for me. I'm going to run it, and I'm going to do it all by myself. Family, if you're going to be the church that rises up in the midst of this current context, I'm telling you, what you and I must do is realize that the church house, the physical building, is no longer the lighthouse. That's in your house. Don't forsake the huddle. The huddle is there to inspire you, to, to remind you of what the game play is and what the game plan is. And they're calling the plays down every single week, every Wednesday. But your job is to line up behind that play. Take that to your community and make a difference for the glory of God. So here's the question for you today. Will you make the shift? Will you? Will you make the shift? Will you line up? Behind the linemen of the Holy Spirit, the linemen of Jesus, and the linemen of the, of the God the Father. And simply run right behind where they're telling you to go. That's the joy when you're walking in step with the Spirit. You have faith.
then show me your works. And then, Pastor, I'm not comfortable with it. I just don't know yet. I'm not asking you. We're going to lay it all out. Over the next five weeks, we're going to lay it all out. And none of this starts until our church anniversary. But we're going to lay it out. We're going to answer all the questions. We're going to every single... But I have a life group. Does that mean I have to stop my life? No, you don't. We're going to answer all of it for you so that you know exactly where we're going. We're going to have one booklet after the other. Pastor, I don't know how to have a conversation with a non-Christian. We're going to show you that. I don't know how to take steps and show a believer how to grow in maturity. We're going to reveal that to you. I don't know how to disciple somebody. We're going to provide one for you so that you can do that for the glory of God. But the stakes are too high. And the plan of the enemy is too great for you to do it alone. And for you to huddle hop. And for you to care more about the thrill of the huddle than the heart of the God, and for you to care too much about customizing your own huddle, instead of doing what Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't forsake the gathering, because the gathering is where you get excited and passionate and execute the huddle and the game plan that God has called you to do. So family, will you make the shift? I want everybody here today, I want you to make the shift. We have 500 more to go, well less than that, but we have 500 more to go, but I need you, you, right now, as you see it come up on the screen, I need you to make this fast. Okay, I got it. I got it, Pastor. I'm, I've never been discipled. I want to be discipled. I'm going to fill that out and I'm going to make this shift. I want to be a part of the team that makes this shift. I want to be a part of the early adopters that make the shift. I, I've never been discipled. I want to be good. I have been discipled. Now I want to help other people. Then you make the shift. But your house must be a lighthouse for the darkness in your community that needs the light. Father, will you help every household comprehend, understand, embrace, and then execute. Run the play that you've called us to do. Thank you for their hearts and their openness toward it. Will you help us not only define reality, which is that our culture is shifting and the way we share our faith is shifting. Now, will you help us embrace the pivot and the shift that we have to make. The message stays the same. But the shifting must take place. So we can increase our effectiveness for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.